Next on BYUSN, the Cougars moved to 2-0 following a win over Southern Utah, but was the result good enough? And ESPN's Trevor Mattis will join us to discuss the improvements from week one to week two and how BYU can fix the running attack. Monday Mailbag will address your burning questions about the Cougars' two-game pin. And how about Puka Nakua's debut? I watched every play against my team. Oof. Welcome to BYU Sports Nation, presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Hope you're enjoying your Monday thus far. I am Spencer Linton. He is Jerem Jordan. And it is the anniversary of one of the most important and prominent days in American history, September 11th. And certainly our thoughts are with all those families that were impacted by that day, the events of that day, and so many that gave their lives to come to battle for our country when we were under attack. Yeah, I'll never forget. I was a senior in high school and I was in a volleyball class and all of a sudden there are announcements about, hey, we feel like we're safe here. And I'm like, safe from what? And then you rush to a TV and that's what you're doing the rest of the day. Mm. Um, at Lavelle Edwards Stadium, um, there's the tower climb today. So you can run all the all the steps uh, you know, to remember those who, yeah. uh, who passed. And there are firemen who do it in full gear. And I did it um, in 2021 and it was hard enough with no gear. So uh, really, really emotional, stirring uh, scenes there. And then Chad Lewis always hikes the Y on September 11th with an American flag. He's doing this at 3.30 uh, local time. If you want to go and uh, do it with Chad, you're certainly welcome to do it, which is a, a cool symbol uh, on this day that we'll never forget, man. It was the Pearl Harbor of our, of our time. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. You know, we, explaining it to our kids, it's like, it was, it was crazy. It was yeah, crazy. my seven-year-old Jet, uh, his school class in second grade is, is making a clear effort to to make the younger generation aware of of what happened so he, he eventually gave us like a verbal or an oral report of like what had happened on 9 11 and yeah. you know i was happy that they are learning that and just you mentioned it you're you're at school i was in south korea you know eight months into my mission for the church of jesus christ of latter-day saints and we we had gone to sleep about 45 minutes before the planes had hit the towers and so we slept through the night and then woke up to a phone call uh, from our mission president's office that said, hey, this has happened, and uh, everybody's on standby, you know? And I just I remember feeling so helpless because I was 7,000 miles away from the country, but watching what looked like a movie happen mm -hmm. on these Korean television screens and then having everybody in Korea recognize me as an American and, you know, their concern. And it just, it just wild, wild events. Um, but, you know as hard as that was to watch unfold, to see the country kind of come together mm -hmm. and this, this unified purpose and, you know, to turn our eyes to God and like become one as a country again, there was, there was some beauty in that. I hate that it took that to get there, yeah. but there, it, was a, it was a great, beautiful, unified image. Yeah, and then, uh, you know, living here locally, the, the Olympics uh, were five months later yeah. in Salt Lake City, and so it was this real rallying uh, sort of cried together, which which was uh, quite emotional. Yeah, uh, we send uh, years ago, man. our love and appreciation to you know the 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 brave men and women that serve in the United States military and the firefighters and the police department. I'm gonna watch and, the red bandana story again. Oh, today. fantastic! That, that one gets me, man. It's it's unbelievable. That one gets me. Yeah, fantastic. Well, with that said, we hope you're enjoying your Monday, September 11th. Uh, we will never forget. And yeah, if you'd like to. Uh, do the tower climb, uh, join Chad Lewis, as Jerem mentioned, some really, really cool activities going on to, to remember those and honor those that uh, have fought and, and died for our country. With that said, 
we invite you to rise and shout. Let's get to what's trending. They need to show us something Saturday. There's some pressure to do so. A lot of questions swirling around, and uh, you know we know who we are, and I'm glad that we showed it today. What's Trending presented by Feastbox, donating 10% of every order to Full of Hope, a charitable organization that feeds hungry families. In the grand scheme of things, sport has its place. And we know on a day like today, it's obviously not as important as other things. But we have a job to do, and we're going to do our job. We're going to discuss BYU football and where the Cougars stand after two games at Lavelle Edwards Stadium. So, Jerem... When you look at what happened against Southern Utah on Saturday, a 41-16 win, a solid performance by the offense to a degree. Uh, defense a little bit disappointed. They gave up 16 points, and I'm paraphrasing commentary from the coaches after the game, but in your opinion, was this result good enough pushing forward for BYU? Yeah, called for 40-plus, wanted to see it. Uh, the defense gave up 10, and then it was six or seven late or whatever. Um, it's, all, it's all good. Um, offensively, I liked what I saw from the pass game. That was great. 348 yards from Keaton Slovis, 22 of 32, four touchdowns. He had the rushing touchdown as well. Uh, rating of 195. I'm never going to complain about 195 <laughs> on 32 attempts. Um, a five-touchdown total day was really good. Here's Klein Satake after the game uh, on Keaton Slovis. Well, he looked comfortable. Uh, obviously, he's got his third rushing touchdown, so he doesn't mind running the ball now, but I think the key is we got to keep him keep him up, because if we can keep him up and throwing the ball, he's he's really dangerous. And uh, the interception came on a hit, you know. So uh, that's the goal: is for us to keep him keep him up and let him make the throws, and then find ways to, to balance it out with the run game. We'll get to the run game in a moment, but that that was that was good. And this was uh, you know this was a BYU offense that we certainly uh, saw break out more, which was great. You see the comparison, uh, you know, from. Uh, uh, they had more than 33 passing yards in, in the first game. But, yeah, the, the yards per attempt were much better. The passing touchdown, obviously. Um, yeah, some of our numbers are off on the game one. Don't worry about it. But it was a marked improvement, yes. which was what we wanted to see. The run game in a second, we'll get to that. But uh, uh, Keaton told you the following about the improvement after the game. Um, you know, I don't know. I think you chalk up last week as just not being us. I think tonight and today what we saw was what we've been all, all, all year, all fall camp. Uh, since I've been here, that's how we played. And it was nice to see it and show up. It was obviously frustrating last week. A lot of questions swirling around. And, uh, you know, we know who we are, and I'm glad that we showed it today and uh, got to put it on film. He's having a great time, Jerem. And his first four touchdown passing game since 2020. Like, it's been, it's, a, hot it's minute. been a minute since yeah. he had a performance like that. Yeah. Um, okay, so that was a good part. <laughs> well, special teams was good, too. In fact, let's just go there now, and then we'll end with run game. So special teams, I really liked. Uh, Ryan Rico, 64-yard punt. That's 360-plus on the year. Parker Kingston had a 41-yard kickoff return. Harrison Taggart blocked a punt. Marcus McKenzie continues to be unbelievable. I'm doing the film room with him today, by the way. You'll Marcus, see that Steve, Tasker, McKenzie. Seriously. Punt, cover, tackle inside the five, and he recovered a fumble. I mean, this is, this is really nice. And Kelly Pinga wasn't there. He was at his nephew's mm. funeral. And so they did not have their coach. And so they did it for Kelly um, on this day, which was really special and personal. So that was good. I like the pass game. I like special teams. I got a real issue, and we all do, I think, with the run game right now. Well, and, and what is going on? The head ball coach said as much. 
like, yeah, these things were good, but the run game. Everything kept centering back on the phrase, but we got to figure out the run game. It's a huge, it's a huge issue right now. Yeah. Um, in fact, let's just go with that. Kalani Sataki on the run game. Yeah, it's everybody doing their job, and and that that that's the running back to the to the blocking, uh, you know, the line of scrimmage with the O line, tight ends and the receivers. I was really pleased with the receivers blocking downfield. That's why we we're spring some big plays, um, but uh, we still need to improve on that. We we need to find a way to to run the ball and keep keep a, a defense on on their heels. All right, so I'm I'm kind of you know looking carefully through his words there and. I know that he wants to protect his guys, and he doesn't want to let too much frustration. Doesn't want to call out individuals. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. But the concerning thing there that I'm hearing in Kalani Satake's commentary is is that it's it's assignments, Jerem. It's it's not like, you know, like the guys are, are are giving effort, but like they're they're, so. they're just blown assignments consistently. Like guys are not Do blocking the right way. The schemes are not happening. Yeah. You know how how they're designed. And that that's problematic, right? Like guys not knowing where to be and what to do in in a given moment to get the run game going. Yeah. Two games in, that that is cause for concern for Coach Satake. This isn't Jeremy Spencer sitting here in Studio B saying, "Oh, the yeah, head ball coach. we yeah. are." This is the head coach. It's super that is obvious. Visibly frustrated that assignments are not happening how they need to be happening up front. Let me tell you the boldest version of what could happen based on what's gone the first two weeks. If BYU continues to run the ball ineffectively like this, they will not make a bowl game. It will not happen. There's no way BYU can just chuck it to four more wins, in my opinion. They have to be able to run the ball more effectively. Like, BYU is not, not scratching, uh, uh, you know, the run game like they should. They had 112 last week, and then this week you have 46 against an FCS team? Like, what is that? How does BYU not have 200 um, against SUU? So they, two weeks they, in, they're averaging 79 yards on the ground. It's bad. Per and game. we just showed you 2.8 yards per carry. The longest run is 21 yards. Three of the four touchdowns have come from Keaton Slovis. Now, hey, you're scoring. That's great. But where, what's going on? What is, what is going on with Aiden Robbins, by the way? Ten carries, 29 yards, a long of 10, which means his nine other carries are for 19 yards. He has eight carries in the first quarter. He has two in all other quarters. He did not have one after the first mm. quarter. To me, that screams one of two things, one of the two eyes. It's either injury, which I don't think he's injured, or ineptitude. And obviously, Aaron Roderick is going to give the ball to someone that he thinks can carry it effectively. That was L.J. Martin last week. L.J. was more effective, had that 17-yard run where he uh, you know, stiff-armed th- three guys. That was amazing. Um, but then you know, the rest of it was, was tough for L.J. Uh, he had five carries for 10 yards after that. So no one could run the ball. In fact... Um, regarding Aiden Robbins, who I think is really talented still. I'm not giving up on the dude quite yet. Um, Kalani Sitake was asked why Aiden Robbins didn't get a carry after the first quarter. Mm. I don't know. I, I, I don't know all the, the, the answers right now for who carried what. I just want to see the ball carried with, with more intensity and get more yards. You know, I, I don't know. I have to watch the film, but... We need somebody that can that can carry the ball and and do it do it the right way. We need someone that can block for them and make sure we get more yards. That's what we got is not good enough. So it doesn't matter who who the defense is. I, I think we're better than that. So um, we, we've got to figure it out. Whether whether it's you know 
whether it's Aiden that's running it or Dion or LJ. So we feel really good about all three of those guys, but uh, we can't. We we're not giving them a chance right now, and that's that's our job as coaches to get the O line, tight ends, and uh, receivers blocking the right guys. Again, you you see just visibly frustrated. Yeah. And this after winning by 25 and you know handling your business like the game was never really in question. Once we got to halftime, I and mean, BYU's up 24, up 27 to three, like that—that that was good. All of that was good, right? The passing game to be able to build that type of lead, big explosive plays. We talked about, oh, we need to see more explosive plays. Yeah. We got that in the pass game. Yes. But no explosive plays in the run game. Where's the big run? It hasn't happened in two games against Sam Houston yeah. and Southern Utah. Like these are the two games where I thought, okay, we're going to see Aiden Robbins break one for 40 plus. Or Deion Smith break one for 40 plus. Or LG or whoever. Five. The longest run is 21. 21 yards. There was one rush of 10 plus in that game. So now the question is is it more about the offensive line or is it more about the running backs? Or is it a combination of both? It's symbi- symbiotic for sure. Like if it's blocked a certain way, it's going to be run a certain way probably. But what Tyler Algier did, and Tyler Algier is exceptional, was he, he would take whatever it was blocked for and add to it. And sometimes that if well, it was we're blocked seeing for nine, how special he is in the NFL now too. Yes, two touchdowns yesterday was incredible. It's it's not good enough. And uh, what, why why do we think the BYU is going to be able to run against Cincinnati, Arkansas, or Arkansas, Kansas, or Texas? Texas? How about Texas? Um, in the next couple of weeks, like certainly they, I don't expect BYU to rush for less than forty six this week at Arkansas. But that is a possibility mm. if you're doing it against Southern Utah. So certainly that is a, a space that BYU needs to attack. Third downs are not good either right now, 29%. Eight of 27. Part of that is because you're not running well, so you're third and long. And that is tough. Also, why does BYU have another illegal touching call? It is as simple as one receiver making sure he is off the line of scrimmage because he is covered up or... The outside receiver stepping off the line, either or. Yeah, there, you line up in the wrong spot, and now all of a sudden you're an ineligible receiver downfield. Yeah, and there's there's a lot of confusion on that. It, you know, hit me up on Twitter, I can explain it. But it's th- that's that's a simple, frustrating thing that happened on third down, and it cost BYU, uh, you know, a, a big play to Chase Roberts there. Sure. You can't have that when you're in Fayetteville this Saturday. Like you can't have that stuff. Sure. So certainly BYU at two and zero, we expected these two wins, but they, they've they've got some room for improvement. Some good and some bad. Good mostly coming in the past game, yeah. centered on Keaton Slovis and Isaac Rex and Chase Roberts. Isaac Rex was incredible. 112 yards, uh, career high. Tied Gordon Hudson with 22 touchdown catches. Amazing. That was great. And he was given a, 65 a hard time, yarder. Given a hard time yeah. about not scoring on the 65 yarder. <laughs> <laughs> Tight ends aren't running past safeties, okay? That's not a, that's not a thing. Yeah. In fact, during my interview with Keaton, he was like, Isaac's right over there. Yeah, absolutely, I'm going to give him a hard time about not scoring. I would have broken the record, that right, Isaac? I would have broken the record. All good. Okay, topic two. Puka Nakua set the world on fire yesterday. Ten catches, 119 yards in his NFL debut with the Rams. Cooper Cup out, Puka Nakua in. Oh, baby. Um, I saw it all watching the Seahawks play LA. I saw every play. How much better was he than you thought he'd be? I- I, I didn't think that Puka would necessarily be better than I. I know he's special. Like, we know this. Of all people, BYU fans, those that follow BYU football closely, we already know he is special. The thing that surprised me was actually how much he was targeted. 15 targets, yep. 10 catches. Amazing. I'm just glad he had an opportunity to show how special of a player he is. 
And so much for catching defenses off guard now with Cooper Cup out. Like, because Puka did what he did in week number one, you could expect more double teams. Yeah, he's you can probably expect gonna, him on your friend's he, fantasy team, he's too. He's probably, yes, touche. <laughs> he's probably going to be matched up against an opponent's best defensive back now. Like, he is special. So, it wasn't he was better than I think he is, but I was surprised at how much he was targeted and how many catches he had. Like, and, 10 and for 119. It could have been more. He dropped, like, two that he could have had. Like, Puka was so good. He fought through uh, getting smashed a couple times. Um, you know, he's, he uh, is going to get in the end zone a bunch. Like, this – he got all the targets that Cooper Cup would have had. He got every single one. Yeah, we, and we he thought was, that he might get like a half of them. He was no. moving the chains. And this was one of the most emotional viewing experiences I've ever had because I'm like, no! Good job, Puka. <laughs> Gets to see how, I'm telling my kids, hey, that kid went to BYU. We know him. He's awesome. Like, I'm so happy for Puka. It's, I'm bummed the Seahawks lost. But, like, Puka was so good. He was so good. And that was – one of the greatest games that a BYU receiver has had. I need to finish my research on this, but I'm pretty sure he, that's only the third 100-yard game from a yes. BYU receiver, not a tight end. It's incredible. Receiver ever because Austin Collie had two, and now Puka has one in his first game. Austin was so good. I, I, I'll say it again. I think Puka Nakua has a really good chance to be the best receiver BYU's ever had in the NFL. Like, Austin was amazing. At some point in four or five years, Puka could – and maybe it's in the next year or two – if Puka – He's not going to continue this pace, but, like, I think he's going to have more 100 games, 100-yard games than you think, um, which brings us to the stat of the day. Amazing. It's the BYU Sports Nation stat of the day. Puka Nakua. It is 100-yard game. The first by a former Cook since 2010. It was Austin Collins. 13 the, years ago. By the way, all three of those happened in September. It's the only month that BYU has put up with. Re, uh, Rich Eisen. I love this. The Rams are 1-0. Nakua Matata. <laughs> Great tweet by Rich. Nakua Matata. Fantastic. Then, bookmark that one. How about Mason Dodd? We, ha- we have to bring this up. We yeah, have to bring it up. Like He got called out on social media. We're calling him out on BYU Sports. We're not Nation. doing anything that hasn't already happened. Okay, so just before the Rams played, yeah. Mason Dodd says this. I uh, hate to be the only grown-up in the room, but <laughs> Puka Nakua has no upside. Really? Fifth-round rookie wide receivers on bottom five teams don't move the needle. Oh, he moved the needle. Ten catches and 119 yards later, yeah. and lighting the NFL world on fire as a rookie in his first game. I'd say there's some upside, Mason. The former yeah. Washington Husky who played in Seattle goes to Seattle in his first game and has just, just a great game. I'm so happy for Puka. That was the, awesome. the best story I heard about Puka yesterday came from a Seahawks beat reporter. Okay, and I'm going to paraphrase here, who said Puka was chirping at Seahawks defensive backs the whole game. Yeah. After he made yeah. one incredible catch, he said to the defender, keep your weak rear end on the sideline. He, except he didn't say rear end. <laughs> <but yeah. laughs> Stay over there. Here's the thing. He was right. The moment is not too big for Puka. Awesome. Just see Boise State and Baylor 2021 yeah. and any other number of big catches he made for BYU. Yep. Our Monday mailbag. This is where you ask the question and we answer it on the show. This is becoming one of my favorite parts of the show because you have burning questions. We have a lot of the same questions. We like to answer them. Yes, we do. RJ Johnson on Facebook asks, are the running woes for BYU football on the running backs, the offensive line, or both? 
what I presented a moment ago. If BYU can't run on an FCS team, what does that mean for the next 10 Power 5 games? It's a great question. I think that it's both. I think that the O-line needs to block with way more aggression and create holes and do what the play is uh, written up to do. Downhill running, however that happens. That, that's, that's, what, that's what Aiden Robbins needs. Get Aiden Robbins going. Downhill. Like downhill running attack. Yep. Whatever formation and scheme that is. Just that's what he needs. That's what Chris Brooks needed. Yes. A downhill. Yeah. Caleb Plew on X. Will Puka be in contention for Rookie of the Year if he gets as many targets as he did on Sunday? Um, Meaning no. the rest of the season? No. He will win Rookie of the Year if he gets 15 targets oh, a game. Yeah. Like, we want to talk about knee-jerk reaction and, like, after one game, like, rash generalizations and overreactions, Puka Nakua is going to be the NFL Offensive Rookie of the Year. He will be if he gets 15 targets. Now, he won't get 15 targets a game. But certainly – he gets 10 a game? He's going to be one of the top – I mean, I, th- I think at the end of the day, he's going to be one of the top five rookie receivers in, in the NFL by the end. Like, there were how many guys ahead of him? 21? Like, no, the, 19 drafted ahead of him. How about that? Man. Yeah, obviously he's, he's pacing for something special. But when they get Cooper Cup back, Cooper takes over a lot of those targets. Yeah. But – who, Tutu Atwell had 119 yards as well. He's a second-year guy, right? So they have a nice young core he, there, which I absolutely hate as a Seahawks fan. Even if he has half the number of targets that he has on Sunday, on average, for the rest of the season. And he season. puts up 60 yards so a game? 17 times 8 is 136. That would be 136 targets, okay? If he has and you have 65, 80 catches. Six, between 65 to 80 catches of that's, those that's amazing. 136 targets. No, he's, great, great he's, start. He'd be the rookie of the year. Great start. Amazing. All right. Hashtag BYUSN X, Facebook, and Instagram to join the conversation. Lots to talk about on Coordinator's Corner. Aaron Roderick's going to come in and talk about the offense. Good stuff from Keen Slovis. Explosion. Obviously, the run game, O-line, uh, up for conversation as well. And special teams coordinator Kelly Papinga. Again, they had a great day. They'll be on the show coming up at 2 Eastern time on the BYU TV app. So while I was on the golf course with BYU Golf this morning, Jerem Jordan was interviewing ESPN's Trevor Maddich to get the latest on a Maddich Monday. How do the Cougars fix their running attack? And is he going to be as hard on the offensive line this week as he was last week? This is BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is sponsored by Feastbox Global Grill, a unique dining experience featuring Texas, Hawaiian, and Korean meats. Time to feast. Today, what we saw was what we've been all, all, all year, all fall camp. This is the Keaton Slovis yes. that the fan base expected. We are live in Studio B with your day-to-day BYU Sports play-by-play. I am Spencer Linton alongside Jerem Jordan. So, fun fact, while I was interviewing Johnny Miller at Riverside Country Club, you were going one-on-one with Trevor Maddich of ESPN. This is the power of BYU Sports Nation. Yes, you were hanging out at the BYU Men's Golf uh, you know, tournament this morning. Uh, they have Cougar Day, big fundraiser yeah, for the program. Yeah, how you, many? How many like pro golfers were there this morning? Oh, uh, let's see: Keith Clearwater, Mike Reed, Zach Blair, Johnny Miller. Like, I mean, just legend, legends of the BYU golf. And we'll have the interview with Johnny Miller later in this week. But yeah, I'm excited. The point is, BYU Sports Nation is pretty cool. We connect with a lot it's of super, people. It's super. It's super neato. 
Yeah, that's a like, weird we thing. Connect, we we yeah. are so grateful to connect with a lot of great people, and we're grateful to have Trevor Maddich on the show yeah, today. How great is it to talk to the former national champion, NFL vet of 12 years, uh, ESPN college football analyst Trevor Maddich? Awesome. He was pretty fired up last week against the offensive line. Was he as fired up about it this week? The run game certainly didn't deliver. There was some good from Keaton Slovis, an explosion down the field and whatnot. Here's my conversation from this morning with T. Maddich. Hey, Trevor, a lot of improvement from BYU against Southern Utah. Certainly some things to work on, notably the run game and whatnot. So uh, what stuck out to you about the Week 2 performance from the Cougars? I hope they were looking ahead to Arkansas because <laughs> it, it started out so slowly. Now, they, they picked it up. They got the win. The passing game returned. All that was good, especially they got the win. They were better than Week 1. But goodness gracious, it, uh, it wasn't like I expected it to be after that performance against Sam Houston. What wasn't good enough in your mind? Well, they didn't run the ball well, did they? They didn't break 50 yards against an FCS school on the ground, even though it was an emphasis. And that, that worries me. Because it's one thing to come out slow in the opener. It's another thing to come out slow against an FCS team after the wake-up call of the opener. It seems like that has not been fixed yet. And that needs to get fixed, or this will be a very long season. You were fired up last week about the offensive line. Do you feel the same way, given the uh, ineptitude uh, in the run game? Yes, worse, actually. Uh, it's, it's just watching them play, it's, um, I think, disappointing. I think they have the talent to be a lot better. It's one thing if you're just not good enough, or if the guy you're facing is just better than you. I've been in that situation plenty of times. But if, if, you're not playing up to your potential, no matter who's in front of you, then I, uh, I struggle with respecting that. And it appears that that's been happening. I know there's been some injury situations with a couple of guys that they've been playing through some things. I, I get that part. But there are things about the, this offensive line, the, the, the intensity, the drive, the, the what appears to be willingness to go out there, eagerness to go out there and smash people. It doesn't show up on tape. So if it's there, that's nice, but let's try to get it onto the field. Certainly they can work on that in practice and then apply it in the game. So what are you hoping happens in practice, and how did you and, and your teams get better in practice when you played at BYU and in the NFL? Jeremy, that's a great question because you can usually tell how a team practices by watching them in the game. For example, if a defense doesn't swarm to the ball in practice, they won't swarm to the ball in a game. It's a habit. And from a standpoint of offensive line, it doesn't look to me like they practice with a whole lot of intensity. Maybe they do, and it's just not getting into the game yet, but it doesn't look like they do. For example, this is just one example. When you go to throw a block and a, a pass is completed or a runner turns the corner and starts heading down the field, in practice, as an offensive lineman, as your defender leaves you, you need to sprint a couple of steps, just a couple of steps, with intent. That means you sprint towards the ball carrier. You look to make sure the ball hasn't been fumbled. It's not on the ground, so you can go jump on it. And then you look while you're sprinting those couple of steps for defenders that you can block downfield in case your ball carrier breaks a tackle. Now, you can only do it in practice for a couple of steps per play because an offensive lineman, you don't want to be running all these big, long sprints all day long. You'll wear yourself out. But I don't see that in the game. What I see is guys will lose their defender because he'll go pursue, and guys will just stop and watch the play. It, it just – and that to me 
speaks to practice habits. I don't know that. I want to be fair. I haven't been there. But if what they're doing in practice is not showing up in the game, then they better get that happening. And if they're not doing it in practice anyway, then they better darn well start. You know, you, you asked how we used to do it, you know, and I don't usually talk about back in the day, this is what we did. But practices were almost always harder than games. Our coaches, Roger French, Mel Olson, were two of the best offensive line coaches at any level. And I played 12 years in the NFL. And they they made sure that no stone was left unturned from a standpoint of assignment, technique, and intensity in practice. We got into the game. It was like, hey, this is fun. Plus, we had really good defensive players. Brad Smith was our nose guard, and I had to fight like crazy in practice just so that he wouldn't embarrass me because he was an outstanding football player. And so there was great intensity in practice. You never took a single rep of a single drill off. You were going hard. And when you need to rest, the coaches made sure you had the rest. And that showed up in the game. It's one of the reasons why we, we won the national championship. And so I want to see evidence that the offensive line is practicing that way. Get into the game. I need to see that. Because if, if they don't do that, then the other guys on that offense are going to be playing behind a line that's not giving them a fair opportunity. Aiden Robbins uh, has 10 carries for 29 yards through two games. Uh, he didn't have a carry after the first quarter on Saturday. Certainly weird given that this guy had a lot of hype coming in. He seems to be a real talent at a 1,000-yard year at UNLV with what you think would be an inferior offensive line to BYU's this year. What do you make of what Aiden Robbins has done so far through two games? Uh, and that's been disappointing as well. And, and why that's happening is hard to say because it doesn't look like he's getting the holes in the first half when he's played that other guys have gotten in the second half. L.J. Martin uh, has gotten in the second half, and that's take nothing away from L.J., but to say that I expect Aiden Robbins to be much more effective than he's been. But it's a package deal. The, the line needs to open holes. He needs to hit those holes hard. And if there isn't a hole, he needs to make one. And he needs to take a, what is a one-yard gain in terms of how the blocking turns out. He needs to turn it into a two- or three-yard gain because he's driving forward. You saw that from Tyler Algier all the time. You know, Coach Sataki talked a lot about intensity after the game. And I think uh, a, a ratchet up in intensity from both the runners and the blockers would help this team. Keaton Slovis was certainly impressive. 22 of 32 for 348, four touchdowns passing, one rushing. He has three rushing after zero rushing prior to this year. What do you make of Keaton Slovis's performance? See, that was the improvement from week one to week two that we want to see, isn't it? And so, yeah, I mean, he had a, a, a slow week one. Okay. I get it. It's the first time in game action with a, with a new team and a new offense and new receivers to throw to. And in week two, what did Keaton do? He got a lot better. He elevated the people around him. That would help to have Keanu Hill back. Welcome Keanu. Not just back to the offense, but back to the end zone. That was wonderful to see. But you saw Keaton Slovis set the example as a leader for what everybody on this team and especially everybody on this offense needs to do. Get better week to week to week to week. He was accurate. He knew where he wanted to go with the ball. He had a better understanding of what his receivers could and could not do. And he was able to adjust his game to maximize what was there. And I expect that same jump from Keaton from this last game to the next one against Arkansas because they will certainly need it. The Razorbacks open as a 10-point favorite. That's a big line. BYU 2-7 and seven, uh, win a double-digit dog under Kalani Satake. This will certainly be a challenge. Arkansas put up 52 on BYU last year. Uh, perhaps the good news for BYU is that 
Rocket Sanders, the star running back for Arkansas, did not play last week, may not play this week. We'll see. It was a lot of K.J. Jefferson needed to beat Kent State on Saturday. What do you make of this matchup as BYU goes to the SEC? I think there's more opportunity here than I kind of thought in the offseason as I looked at the schedule. And that is because Arkansas right now is trying to put some things together themselves. You mentioned injury at running back. They've got three new starters on the offensive line. And last week against Kent State, they rotated through multiple guys to try to figure out their best offensive line. They didn't run the ball very well against Kent State. And so they're trying to get some things going as well. On the defensive side of the ball for Arkansas, last year they were one of the best sacking defenses in college football, but one of the worst at giving up passing yards. And in the first two games this year, they've kind of done the same things. They've gotten a bunch of sacks, but quarterbacks, especially the Kent State quarterback, had some success. He averaged about 10 yards per pass attempt. Now, that's not to say they can't play. It's just to say that they still have things that they need to uh, resolve on that Razorback defense. And BYU right now, it looks like the strength of the offense at this point in game three is going to be the passing attack. So the offensive line needs to be able to develop a running game because so much of what BYU's passing attack does is off of play action. But at the same time, there seems to be a bit of a vulnerability that BYU's offense might be able to exploit. And then on the offense uh, of Arkansas, main focus for BYU's defense has to be contain Keanu Hill on the ground. Slow down the pass rush, keep him in the pocket, make sure that he has to to throw the ball from the pocket to beat you. Don't let him out to be a runner because if that happens, it'll be a long day. And it was a long day last year. Hopefully it's different this year. In the NFL, some notable standouts among the Cougars. Tyler Algier with two touchdowns was awesome, but Puka Nakua stole the show. I don't know how many fantasy waiver wires he's going to be in, but it's going to be a lot. 10 for 119, Trevor. That was quite the debut. Yeah, and it was a perfect storm for him. First of all, he's got the goods, right? I mean, we know he's that good at making plays and a versatile playmaker. But keep this in mind, too, that Rams quarterback Matthew Stafford's favorite receiver, Cooper Cup, is out for a month on injured reserve. And Pukunakua and Cooper Cup are exactly identical in terms of their size and a lot of things that they're able to do. And so Stafford started to throw the ball to Puka and realized that, hey, Puka's making the play. I'll just keep throwing the ball to Puka. And all of a sudden, he now has filled that go-to spot that Cooper Cup filled for Matthew Stafford. So we'll see what happens next week. But this is a great opportunity with Cup out for a month for Puka to develop some continuity and some rhythm over the course of the next several games. And, of course, in college football, uh, Texas taking down Alabama was huge. Uh, we, we got some craziness already in week two, Trevor. We do. Texas goes to Tuscaloosa and shocks the football world. And it wasn't really that much of a shock for those who watch Texas. I mean, Texas has built line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball to compete at an SEC level, and you saw that against Alabama. Alabama wanted to physically pound Texas. They tried. They couldn't do it. And then you've got Colorado and Coach Prime, where brashness and and confidence beyond belief has stepped up to the forefront to take the college football world college football world by storm as well. It's been an exciting start to the season for completely opposite reasons. Teams you love, teams you hate, coaches you're not quite sure what to think of. And I think all of it is, has began with so much wonderful drama, and it's just been a lot of fun. Football, it's the best, man. Trevor, we appreciate the time. Best of luck this week. Thanks, guys.
ESPN's Trevor Maddich on BYU Sports Nation. He wasn't as tough no, on the he, offensive line this he, week. Well, he said he's more disappointed. And, and obviously, um, you know, he evaluates O-line play way better than you and I do. And he is saying it's not good enough. So hopefully BYU can figure that out. Are there things strategically, uh, schematically, uh, emotionally that BYU can muster? I absolutely believe that. I believe BYU can fix the run game. Uh, and I this sure offensive hope it's line's too good not to, and the running backs are too good not to. I, I believe the same thing, and I hope that BYU can figure something out this week. I don't need a win this week, Spencer. I certainly would love it. What I need is for BYU to be ready for Kansas next week because BYU is, plays in what's called a conference. So oh, yeah, yeah. We, oh, yeah. we're, not, uh, yeah, yeah. we're not used to that. But yeah. Yeah. I want BYU to thrive in the Big 12 more than I want BYU to beat Arkansas. But we won't at all because it's Brigham Young. Let's just go 3 0. Let's just build some momentum going oh, yeah, into the Big 12. Let's go 3 0. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. You're right. Let's, let's just do just it. Go three and but oh. I would rather beat Arkansas. Or sorry, I would rather beat Kansas than Arkansas. Oh, head I to want head? You've got to pick one of the two? More than Arkansas. Without, a, without question. Yes. But they're going to pull more on that this week. After further review, it breaks down the X to nose. What happened with the illegal touching? What's going on with the run game? How did BYU break out offensively with more explosive plays other than it being Southern Utah? Tuesday, 7 Eastern on the BYU TV app. After the break, is it fair to say the top-ranked BYU women's soccer team is better than the national runners-up from 2021? Okay. Ask Utah how good this year's squad is. Six goals later, this is BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Follow BYU Sports Nation on social media, on Facebook, X, Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok. Live images from Lavelle Edwards Stadium looking at the bottom of the Wasatch Front from within the shadows of the Everlasting Peace be with you this day. Gorgeous morning. By the way, there are a few people that are streaming our show while they play golf at Riverside Country Club. I just got notified. Hi, guys. We'll be over in a few minutes. <laughs> yeah, I wish. We would. We, we will not be doing that. Uh, welcome back to Studio B. I'm Spencer. He's Jerem. Let's roll out today's headlines. BYU beats Southern Utah 41-16 thanks to five touchdowns, four passing, one rush from Keaton Slovis. Isaac Rex had a career-high 112 yards and a touchdown tying Gordon Hudson's record of 22. Here's Rex. Play action for Slovis. And he's got Isaac Rex into the end zone. It's a touchdown for Isaac Rex. Jeremy, it's that, it's that karaoke chemistry, I'm telling you. Absolutely. Chase Roberts, Sirius <laughs> Lassiter, Keanu Hill each had a touchdown catch. Deion Smith added a rushing touchdown as well. The Cougars play at Arkansas Saturday are a 10-point underdog right Ooh. now. Mitch Harper of KSL Sports saying, hey, 2-7 under Kalani when he had a 10-point dog. I don't like that stat. We will, uh, I don't like the truth of it. We will find the uh, find out the Kansas TV and kick time today as well. It's a night game in Arkansas. Let's go. Cougars in the NFL. We've talked about him at length. Puka Nakua, 10 catches, 119 yards, just the fourth rookie ever in his debut game to have at least 10 catches and 100 plus yards in a 30 to 13 LA win or LA Rams win over the Seahawks. Unbelievable numbers. Tyler Algier doing his thing. 15 carries, 75 yards on the ground. 94 total yards, two touchdowns, and the Falcons 24-10 win over the Panthers. And Fred Warner, the 49ers, eight tackles, a tackle for loss, and a pass breakup, and a 49ers resounding win, 30-7 over the Steelers. Well, Williams had 18 carries for 45 yards, two catches for seven yards with the Saints. Taysom Hill, three carries, four yards, a tackle. Saints beat the Titans 16-15. Michael Davis, six tackles, five solo. The Chargers lost to the Dolphins, 36-34, perhaps game of the day there. Tony Takitaki, three tackles in a Browns 24-3 win over the Bengals. It was weird to not have Joe Burrow and score as much. It was crazy in the rain. 
Kyrus Tonga had a tackle in the Vikings' 20-16 loss to the Bucks. That was weird, too. Mm-hmm. Zach Wilson and the Jets, of course, host the Bills tonight. Ooh. Monday Night Football, Aaron Rodgers' debut. Monday Night Football. I love those words. Number one ranked BYU women's soccer destroyed Utah. Destroyed them. Six to one on mm. Saturday night. Allie Fryer and Olivia Smith-Griffiths each recorded a brace with two goals apiece. Olivia Wade-Katoa and Rachel McCarthy with just another cracker of a shot added goals. Here's what McCarthy's goal looked and sounded like. Pushing it in and goal! Fantastic shot there. Uh, that's probably an understatement. Yeah. Uh, All she does is score outside the box now. Holy cow. Today in the top drawer soccer poll, BYU moved up from third to second. So the number two in that poll, but we don't really care. They are first in the United <laughs> Soccer Coaches poll because that's the poll that we use at BYU TV. Yeah. Up next for the top-ranked Cougars, Big 12 opener against 25th ranked TCU Thursday night at Southfield. Let's go. On ESPNU, man. Big 12. Number Big 12. eight, BYU. I heard that. Number eight, BYU women's volleyball lost its first match of the season in four sets at number 13, Washington State. Not a bad loss. Uh, the other Cougs, pretty good. Aaron Livingston, 21 kills. Livingston and Kate Pryor were on the all-tournament team. Cougs host Utah Wednesday night on ESPN+. Plus. All right, the perfect August and September is over, but it's been a nice run. It was a great sure. run. Men's and women's cross country, they're doing their share of winning. The third-ranked men's team won the Autumn Classic. Joey Noakes and Creed Thompson took first and second, separated by one-tenth of a second. Number seven, BYU women's team also won the Autumn Classic. Jenna Hutchins and Carmen Alder took first and second. We're also separated by about one-tenth of a second. That's all they do, finish close and win. Those are today's headlines. Let's opine in the whip. The Cougar Whip Round presented by Marisk, your e-commerce logistics shipping partner. Tyler Algier had 75 rushing yards on 15 carries, two touchdowns to lead the Falcons. What do you think of how Atlanta used Tyler Algier and Bijan Robinson? I'm so happy this is happening. But Arthur Smith said this would happen, so I guess we should have believed him. He said, we're going to be a two-running back offense. Tyler Algier is going to be a central focus of our offense. And he is, and I'm so happy he is. 77% of the catches and rushes came from those two. They are reliant on a first and second year guy. It's fun to see that Tyler was kind of the primary running back, though. though. He's the dude. He's earned the right to be the dude. That was the earned guy in the NFL. Let's go. BYU will be wearing royal helmets, mm-hmm. white jerseys, and royal pants as a combo against Arkansas. Is this BYU's best road uniform combo? It's a good combo, although I'd love to see BYU with a white helmet at some point. <laughs> Perhaps that's week four. <laughs> Maybe so. That's I do crazy. love the it's crazy. The we haven't seen the traditional helmet. white helmet. I love the variation. Okay, really this do. is the same variation they wore against USC in 2021 when they wrapped up the Pac-12 South Division Championship Let's and go. beat the Trojans. That co- The combo that they're going to wear this week is so clean. Number one women's soccer blowout, Utah 6-1, as we just mentioned. They're 7-0. Is this team better than the national runner-up? Not ready to go there just yet. In 21? Not ready to go there just yet. you got to show me what you're capable of in the tournament. Okay? This team gets to a college cup. Now we can have the conversation. I'm saying they will be, meaning they're going to get to the title game. They're going to win the Big 12. Because... All the the youngins that were on that team, the role players, they are seniors on this team. There are 11 of them. They're super experienced. They've been there. They've done that. They're now number one. I, I think this team's more talented. They don't have a cool hand, but they have more talent on this just roster than 21. They're just deeper. Yes, Aaron Bailey board. comes off the bench and scores goals. That's totally fair. Man, get to a college cup. This team needs to get there. They're so good. They're so good. So good. Uh, after the football game on Saturday, I asked Isaac Rex about his chemistry and connection with Caden Slovis. This is what Isaac had to say. 
We did a lot of karaoke this offseason. Uh, we got a karaoke machine at my house in California. And so Jaron and Zach weren't much singers, but Keenan loves to sing. And so, and I love to sing too. So we actually got, you know, some good songs going. I think it helped with our uh, chemistry a little bit. So. I wanted to ask him about which go-to songs know, they like, had, I'm but like, I was songs, getting this in the background, like, go, go, go. I haven't even asked about football yet. I got to ask about the game. I love this. Is karaoke the biggest contributor to the Keaton Rex on the field success? It might be, um, but certainly the Southern California connection, obviously when Keaton goes to work with John Beck, San Clemente, not too far away. And so uh, they can hang out with the Rexes, man. They're good friends. He did tell me that Endless Love is the song that he likes to perform on the karaoke machine with his wife. Okay. So That's great. Isaac good, singing good for him. Endless Love straight out of Happy Gilmore. Yeah. Let's go. What? <laughs> what? Friends can listen to Endless Love in the dark? You're <laughs> <laughs> football with Kalani Stockade tomorrow, 8.30 Eastern on the BYU TV app. Get your free tickets on the BYU TV app and as well. After the break, we recap the week in the Big 12. Another crazy week. Big 12 roundup and prop picks on the way. This is BYU Sports Nation. This portion of BYU Sports Nation is presented by Maersk, your e-commerce logistics shipping partner. BYU Sports Nation continues live from Studio B. He is Jeremiah Spencer. Let's get to our Big 12 Roundup recap where we pick any number of big Big 12 games and we give you our picks on whether or not those teams will cover the odds makers bets. How do we do? Illinois versus Kansas on Friday. Kansas by three. We both have the Jayhawks covering, and they did. Jalen Daniels returned yes. after uh, missing the first game with a sore back, and he performed really well. Difference maker. 34-23. And it, was, it wasn't that close as the final score. Okay, second game. 12th ranked Utah by seven and a half. Almost had him, Bears. Baylor. Baylor's up 13 to six late in this game. So. It was always going to be a cover. It's whether Baylor was going to pull off the upset. They did not. They give up 14 in the fourth. Yeah, Baylor gives up two touchdowns super late in the game. The final two minutes, as a matter of fact, yeah. and Utah wins 20 to 13. However, the line was seven and a half. I said Baylor would cover. They did. You thought that I the, thought Utes the Utes would, would be, cover. Yeah, would cover that line. Iowa three and a half uh, against Iowa State. Iowa 20 to 13. We both had Iowa covering, but Iowa didn't get to 25. That's in the OCs. Uh, like to do contract. List? Yes. If he, he gets a bonus, if he gets 25, they did not, but they won. Yeah, they won the game. We both got that. Okay, yep. check, check. SMU eight, at 18th ranked Oklahoma. Oklahoma by 16 and a half. The Sooners, this was my super pick, by the way. Mm -hmm. I thought the Sooners would run away with this thing. They did not, but they did win by 17. Yes. 28 to 11. So you got, you got it, 17. <laughs> by a half point. Nice. I only got the one check. Holy cow. Cincy and Pitt. Uh, Cincy beats Pitt 27-21. They were up big in this one, uh, Cincy by seven, and uh, yeah. I think Cincy's good, Jerem, yeah. and that's why, that's why I picked them. Like, I, I was impressed with how they played in week one. They look great against Pitt. This says I didn't get this one. Didn't I get it because it was a seven point? Oh, it was Pitt by seven. Yes, yeah, Pitt yeah, by seven. Cincinnati yeah. won the game on the road. Just one outright. Cincinnati's good. Okay, 11th ranked Texas at number three, Alabama. Alabama favored Game by seven. Uh, did not happen. Texas wins by 10. Woo. Holy cow, 17-point swing right there. Quinn Ewers was awesome. We both missed on this. This that is your super pick. That was my super pick. I missed two on that. I don't fault you for that. Oregon by six and a half against Texas Tech. Oregon wins by eight. 
I had uh, Oregon covering it. Yeah, I thought Good. Texas Tech, again, this is the second week in a row Texas Tech has just absolutely imploded kinda, late in the game. Kind of blew it through a late pick there, yep. Leads and then just blew it late. They're 0-2 for the first time since 1990. Ooh, 0-2. Yeah. yeah. UCF, three and a half point favorite at Boise State. Um, this was not UCF's greatest offensive performance, but they did find a way to win with Colton Boomer, their kicker, making Good a 40-yarder as time expired. We both missed on this one. We both missed on that one. But UCF, UCF does us all a favor against yes. Boise State. And Oklahoma State by three and a half against Arizona State. Oklahoma State wins by 12. They had a really nice second half, 17-0, and we both had that one. So you win week two, 7-4. to four. The Sun Devils are not good, Jeremy. Yeah. They're not good. Not good. Oklahoma State was the correct pick. Okay, prop picks. Prop picks now for our uh, game against uh, Southern Utah and BYU. Who will record BYU's first rush attempt? You said Aiden Robbins. You are correct, sir. Okay, so I take the point there. BYU's offense will score between 21 points or fewer, 22 to 30, 31 to 40, or 41 plus. You went 41 plus, Jerem. Yep, 17 plus, 41. You it's all the same, dog. Okay. Over under nine and a half points allowed by the BYU defense. We both said uh, under. Yeah, dang it. When they it scored that touchdown, over. when I went to 10, I was like, no, we missed that one. Jay Hill yeah. was not happy about it. In fact, Jay Hill apologized to Keaton Slovis after the game, saying, we will be better for you next week. That, you want to talk about accountability? Less, less 16. That's I'd, my guy, Jay. I'd take that. Over under four and a half points for Ryan, or punts rather, for Ryan Rico. Uh, we both went over. He did. He had five punts. Okay, barely. just barely over. And which player would have BYU's longest play from scrimmage? We did not guess that it would be Isaac Rex. <laughs> 65 yards. How about that? 8 1 women's volleyball taking on Utah. Huge game on ESPN Plus coming up 9 Eastern on Wednesday night. All right, up next, one more question from your Mailbag Monday responses. This is BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Our Elite Monday Mailbag question of the day presented by PAX Healthcare Elevated comes from Adam Mon on Instagram who asks, what does BYU need to score to have a chance at winning against Arkansas? Maybe Defensively, a, hopefully BYU keeps uh, Arkansas down in the low 20s. I would say, like, give me, give me 28. At least and you 24. Got a shot? Bronco rule here. Bronco, Bronco rule? Mendenhall rule nice. here. Give me at least 24 to have a chance to beat Arkansas. Nice. That's Today, so 05. Yeah, I know. Today's rising shout out. Still plus. Presented by Mountain America, the official credit union of BYU Athletics. How do we not give it to Puka Nakua for his NFL debut? 10 for 119. Nice job. We salute you, Puka. Our thanks to today's guest, Trevor Maddich. Dennis ran out of time. Dennis had some 100-yard games. Yes, he did. Yeah. And his record's now broken by Isaac Rex. He moved on the list. Right? He's oh. moved on. Yeah. For Jeremiah and Spencer, shout-out to Ray Leach. We'll see you for Coordinator's Corner at 2 p.m. Eastern on the BYU TV app. Go Cougs.